0: The Irish Times Inside Business Podcast, in association
1: with EY, building a better working world.
0: Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. In this episode, I'll be talking to Dalton Phillips, Chief Executive of DAA, the state-owned company that operates Dublin and Cork airports, and a network of duty-free shops around the world run by orienta. He tells me about the rebound in passenger numbers since air travel restrictions were eased by the government on July 19th. But it's worth remembering that by the end of this month, just one million passengers will have travelled through Dublin Airport. In 2019, it handled a record 33 million passengers across the year. So there's clearly a lot of ground to make up. DA faces a number of other challenges too. A new runway at Dublin Airport is due to open in August 2022... But restrictions have been put in place on the number of flights that it can operate at the busiest times of the day. And a final ruling on DEA's appeal to these restrictions might not be received until 2023 or even later. We also discussed the challenges of climate change and how this might impact on how often we all travel abroad. And is it possible that Dublin Airport might never get back to handling 33 million passengers a year? First, I began by asking how the lifting of air travel restrictions earlier this month had impacted on passenger numbers through Dublin Airport.
1: Well, Kieran, it's it's tremendous to see the restrictions lifted and the resumption of travel. Um, We've now got 36 airlines servicing 130 cities. At one stage last year, we were serving 22 cities. So it's still a long way from the 200 cities that Dublin was servicing uh, pre-pandemic, but it was just great to get going. And in fact, last week was a terrific week. Monday's traffic was up 100% on the previous Mondays. And uh, we've been having days around thirty, thirty-two thousand uh, 32,000 passengers in and out of Dublin Airport. Look, it's a way off the 100,000 plus that we would have every single day at this time of the year. But it's well ahead of the days last year when we were in the, the low hundreds. So it's a huge improvement.
0: So let's take yesterday. I don't know if you have the figures to hand. I'm sure you do. Um, but if we take yesterday, how many people passed through Dublin Airport and how would that compare with the same day in, in 19?
1: So we would have been down 75% versus the same day last year, but it was still 25 odd thousand people going through the business. So there's been a marked step up. The load factors have increased by about 15%. So we've got load factors over the last seven days of 57% strong improvement on where we've been. So as the, the key point there on the load factor of 57% is it shows us quite a lot of capacity in the market, i.e. 36 airlines servicing 130 destinations. So there's there's great deals to be had from the travelling public and we're seeing that load factor inch up every day, which is encouraging, but I think there's still a long way to go to get back to anything like we've had in in previous periods.
0: Now, in terms of your own operations, what has it meant in terms of um, staffing? Because presumably you were operating at very low levels of staff numbers in Dublin and Cork Airport because you had so few people going through the terminals. Um, I'm guessing you've uh, a lot more people back at work.
1: So we've a lot more people back at work. The, the reality is that we, we we obviously never closed throughout the pandemic. Um, we had to be here. We're, we, we're a 24-7 operation. And in the early parts of that pandemic, as I said to you the last time we spoke, it was vital that we were open and operational for um, cargo, particularly PPE, etc. But over the last year, we've had to say goodbye to a third of our staff. So we're two-thirds of the size we were going into the pandemic and we've had to change an enormous amount of processes and procedures. We've had to put people in different teams. There's been a lot of reconfiguration going on. But I have to say, the operations performed very strongly. And if you think about key pinch points, we've seen other airports really struggling with this across Europe as they've opened up, particularly in security and immigration. Our security has been essentially 10 minutes Uh, On average, our immigration has been about 14 minutes on average, talking about for EU passengers. So there's been no challenges and the staff have done an outstanding job rising to the challenge. In a way, there was some concern about flushing the, the water through the pipes again, because it's been that long since we've had any level of volume going through the business. But actually, everything's worked really well. And we've supported it. Kieran, you may have seen with a very strong communication program, including a a new 30-second advert to to remind people about how safe it is to travel and the benefits of traveling again.
0: Yeah, what about these digital COVID certificates um, that are now in use? Have they led to any delays? Have, th- have there been any problems in the system in terms of uh, processing of those?
1: So operationally at the airport, there's been very few problems. Um, there has been a lot of problems with people trying to get hold of their DCC, and I think that's been widely reported in the media and the challenges there. But from an, from an airport experience point of view, the airlines um, are very up to speed. The checks are done pre-departure in terms of your DCC. There are very different requirements for different countries. So we are uh, spending a lot of time trying to alert travelling passengers that they really still do need to check what are the requirements for the different countries? If you're going to the UK, you don't need anything. Nobody's going to check anything for you. But if you go to other parts of Europe, depending on the on on the on the country, there will be some requirements. But in general, it's been very smooth. And likewise, in terms of immigration, which is a key point, people coming back into the country, that's been working very smoothly. We've got the electronic gates up and running as well. And there's been no major issues.
0: What about the queues for non-EU nationals? How long are they?
1: So they've been hitting up to 40 minutes uh, for non-EU. It's a long time, isn't it? Well, th- that's at the upper end. Um, and so there's a lot of paperwork involved if you're coming from a red country or a non-EU country. And it's, it's, a, it's a question of uh, real vigilance by the board, border management unit. But actually, in general, uh, we've been, we couldn't be more complimentary of what the border management unit have been doing in both Dublin and Cork. I think they've done an exceptional job.
0: In terms of your uh, retail and your food and beverage operation, wh- where are you at with that now, um, Dalton? I haven't been through Dublin Airport in a long time, so maybe you can bring us up to speed on on how much is open. And are, are people having a few pints before the flight like they used to?
1: So we operate in, in 15 countries. I might talk to you about Dublin, but I might share some of the insight from around the world. So essentially... The vast, vast majority of all outlets are now up and running and operational, the same for other services like car hire uh, there are There are a small number of very specific um, units that that aren 't open, but in general, passengers are are able to avail of a great retail offer and a great food and beverage offer. In fact, the retail has been performing very strongly last week; we were about forty five percent versus 2019 in terms of retail sales so that's well ahead of where we are in terms of traffic so i think people who are traveling are wanting to get into the shops um we've obviously got duty-free which we've had it for the last year but there hasn't been anybody traveling so the uk market's been very strong people availing of that duty-free which hasn't been in the market for for nearly two decades as we know so that that's working really well. And if you look around the patch, um, as I said, we're in 15 different countries and we're a good snapshot of what's going on around the world. So Cyprus is at nearly 70% of 2019 levels and it shows you how quickly some of these countries are opening up. Uh, there are parts of the Middle East, Bahrain, Saudi, which are really starting to hit 60, 70% of pre-pandemic levels. And then you go down to places like New Zealand, where we've just had a further lockdown now with the trans-Tasman bubble shutting down, and they're at 20% of 2019 levels. So it gives you a good sort of flavour of what's going on. Canada, 25% of 2019 levels, because again, we know the restrictions in Canada. But uh, what's been really encouraging is that passengers want to get back into the shops. We were really concerned, Kieran, would people go in? Would they be concerned about actually shopping, or did they want to just get straight to the gate? That hasn't been our experience at all. And are you able to implement some social distancing
0: at at the gate, particularly with this Delta variant going around? You know, we've had plenty of examples now recently of double vaccinated people um, indoors um, contracting the virus. So how are you managing that?
1: There's very strong um, social distancing requirements in place, clearly with the passenger flows at the moment that. Doesn't necessitate any huge bottlenecks. Um, We've got very sophisticated uh, HVAC and ventilation systems right across the airport. It's a very well maintained uh, terminal in terms of Terminal One, Terminal Two, and the same for Cork. So we've had no issues to date, and I think as the vaccination levels were eighty three percent of the population have had at least one jab at the moment. I think the concern levels uh, continue to decrease. But at the same time, we've got all the other measures in place in terms of sanitization programs, face masks, um, etc. So I, I'm I'm very comfortable, and I think passengers have reacted uh, very well to the measures.
0: Yeah. Um, how long do you think we'll have to wear face masks uh, for air travel purposes?
1: Well, that that's a six million dollar question. Um, I, I'm sure you've you've travelled to Asia uh, in the in the last years, and you still see a huge proportion of. Uh, people in the Far East wearing face masks um, spilling over from previous pandemics. So I I imagine that it's going to be something that's going to be with us for quite some time. Legislatively, for example, in the airport today, you have to wear a face mask. Um, How long that that criteria will stay in place, I, I have no idea, but I suspect for at least the next 12 months. And then the question is, will we just get into a habit of wearing them? Uh, there are many benefits from, from wearing them, not just uh, protecting yourself against COVID, but obviously other uh, airborne uh, diseases that are out there.
0: Dalton, with a fair wind at your back and, you know, no more lockdowns and, and so forth, um, how many passengers do you think Dublin Airport will handle by the end of this year?
1: Well, I think it would scare you to, to hear that potentially we may, even with a fair wind, only end up where we were last year. And our, our forecasts are somewhere similar to where we were last year because we had three strong months last year, and then we had nothing. Dublin Airport will 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 do a million passengers by the end of July for the entire year to date. Um, it did thirty three million in twenty nineteen, so that 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 is the challenge. So you could be eight nine million passengers this year uh, with a fair wind, right? It's a daunting the prospect. It is for sure. What's the
0: position in Cork airport? I know you're planning to close Cork for ten weeks for a runway upgrade and that's caused um, that that's caused a few ructions uh, in, in that region and perhaps doesn't seem the best time to be doing this when air travel is just uh, getting going again
1: so we are heavily investing in the cork business we we believe that there is a real opportunity to continue that to grow cork as you may remember prior to um, the pandemic, it was by far the fastest growing airport in the country, serving over 50 destinations. We had a big investment program on the pad for Cork for next year, uh, which was a further uh, well, a reconstruction of the runway, which hadn't been done for two decades plus. So we've actually accelerated that reconstruction, that work and brought it forward into this year. And we've decided to do it from the 13th of September through to November this year and actually close Cork Airport for that period of time, which means we can get in, do it in 10 weeks, as opposed to doing it over nearly 10 months next year. No disruption next year as we're rebuilding Cork, but clearly a lot of disruption this year. But in a period where between mid-September and November, we think that actually it's, it's of greater benefit to the region to close, get it done quickly and be fully open next year, as opposed to the challenges that would have occurred next year if we were doing that reconstruction at night. So it's an acceleration of the, um, of the investment. And as I said, Cork is a, is a key part of our business.
0: At EY, our purpose is to build a better working world. As one of Ireland's leading professional services firms, our exceptional people are at
1: the centre of everything we do. We deploy technology at speed and innovation at scale to deliver exceptional solutions for our clients, enabling them
0: to transform and grow. To find out more, visit ey.com. Now, unfortunately, um, the United States uh, still has a pretty uh, strict travel restrictions in place so unless you're an American citizen or a green card holder you can't travel from Ireland um, to the US which is a shame and obviously a big uh, drag on your transatlantic business and Dublin airport had a a very strong it was a very strong transatlantic hub, wasn't it in 2019 so let's just talk about transatlantic for a a couple of minutes where are you at now in terms of uh, flights and numbers uh, going backwards and forwards and and where do you hope to get to um, let's say next year
1: well, if you stand back and look at the macro geographically and if you remember your globe from primary school, you know where Ireland is situated on the globe. So it's in a terrific location to connect Europe with North America because essentially all aircraft flying over Europe have to fly over Dublin as they go to, to North America. So the hub strategy is, is absolutely key to what we're doing at DAA and it's suffered a, a massive um, challenge with COVID, Dublin would have connected to 25 cities in North America pre-pandemic. There are cities uh, right across Europe, much bigger than Dublin, that have no direct connections to uh, the US. If you take regions like Lyon, for example, the second biggest uh, region in France, no direct flight to North America, and yet it's got 20 million population in a two-hour drive time. So it's something that's been uh, nourished and cherished over the years and a huge amount of Team Ireland um, input went into it, both government, state agencies, etc., to support that. We've at the height of the pandemic, we went right back down to three. So Dublin, so Dublin to New York, Boston, um, and Chicago. We're now picking up further flights to Philadelphia. Actually, what's really encouraging, Kieran, is the load factors have been rocketing up since last week. We've got load factors of 70 plus percent on a number of our flights coming in and out. Um, And we've got the U.S. airlines coming back, for example, American Airlines are back. So it's really encouraging to see that. Um, And I I think there's huge pent up demand, obviously, with diaspora who, who want to get back, who weren't able to get back. But for many, many months, we were seeing load factors of, um, well, 10 and 15%. And now we're at 70% and 80% on a number of flights. So it's encouraging.
0: Are these all American people traveling on these flights or Irish people with
1: American citizenship or green cards? It's the latter coming home. They, uh, they've been shut off for so long. So we've been really um, uh, surprised. If you look at the last seven days, the third city in terms of ranking in terms of traffic over the last 7 days has been chicago so london number 1 amsterdam number 2 chicago number 3 wow and um how many people are we talking about over a 7 day period so the last 7 days for chicago uh well month to date we've had 17000 coming in so it's a decent number coming in the last 7 days we've had 6300 um into chicago so 3,000 out, 3,000 in, more or less. Yeah, right. Okay,
0: well, that that is a lot. Um, I suppose it offers some encouragement uh, for you there going going forward. What's next year going to look like, Dalton?
1: So next year, um, probably in the sort of 20 to 22 million passengers, that sort of area to be determined. But, I mean, that's my sort of my sense of where it's going to be. So sort of you're at sort of 60-odd percent of, of where we had been pre-COVID maybe a little bit higher than that big year for us yet yeah, next year, because we bring our new runway into commission. So that's very exciting. There hasn't been a runway built across Europe for probably two decades. And we will have built, we started this on the 14th of February in 2019. Um, and it'll be operational by the summer of next year. It's, it's a record speed and it's a testament to um Great foresight by the planners from many years ago. This was a runway that was um, was was envisaged back in the 1960s. So we've 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 been able to keep that land sterile, and it's been built uh, on time, on budget, and that's key for us, Kieran, in terms of connecting Ireland to the rest of the world to have that additional capacity. Now there are some very grave concerns around the operating conditions which are attached to that runway, which means that essentially that the overall capacity at Dublin Airport could be constrained by 50% in key times. Um, and I'm happy to go into that if you'd like more detail. But in general, Dublin, very much open for business next year. Cork, with its new runway uh, surface in place, very much open to business. So we're encouraged. And and what we need now is ministers and uh Um, And all the key agencies, IDA, Enterprise Ireland, Fulcher Ireland, etc. And of course, ourselves on planes into capital cities trying to get airlines to reconnect with Ireland. Uh, And that's absolutely key. And it's not a regional versus a Dublin discussion. It's about, first of all, getting major airlines to reconnect. We lost the Far East. So key airlines like Cathay or Hainan have stopped servicing Dublin we need to get back out and woo them back into the market.
0: Those concerns are around nighttime uh, operations, aren't they, uh, with the new runway. Um, it's essentially going to limit you to the number of flights that can take off and land between um, certain times overnight. And, and that's the real concern, isn't it? That the early morning traffic um, that you, you would normally want to get out of Dublin, you're simply not going to be able to handle under these restrictions. I know you've been trying to get them changed. Where Where's that whole process at?
1: So it's not about getting more flights in late at night or in the middle of the night. We're not about that. And passengers don't want to travel in the middle of the night. But uh, the current conditions mean that that the flights would be restricted between 11 p.m. and midnight and between 6 a.m. and 7 uh, a.m. Those are key shoulder periods for us between 11 p.m. and midnight is when a lot of the aircraft are coming back in the home-based aircraft, and obviously your listeners will know about that first wave that goes out at 6 a.m., and that's the real concern. And if we have to cut those flights by 50%, it dramatically reduces Ireland's connectivity to the rest of Europe and the world. Uh, It also means that for airlines it may be unviable because they'll essentially lose a a rotation with their aircraft. So if they can only operate the aircraft between 7 a.m. and 11 p.m. versus 6 a.m., and midnight, um, they may move those aircraft, as we know, the ultimate movable asset to other jurisdictions. So we're we're really concerned. It's currently with the noise regulator, which sits within Fingal County Council, um, and we hope to have a decision by May of next year. It'll then uh, likely go to onboard Planola. So it could be uh, mid-23 or later before a decision is made. And all of that time, the clock is is ticking. Ireland needs to reconnect with the rest of the world. And yet we may actually have less capacity next year than we did pre-pandemic. And that's a scary thought. If those
0: operational restrictions had been in place in 2019, what would that have
1: meant for traffic levels? Oh, you're talking about uh, impact of millions, millions of passengers. And as I said, the knock-on impact is what happens to the airlines because for airlines to have an asset sitting on the ground and it can't fly um, when Ireland is already an hour behind Europe. So six, to me, 6am, You, get, you agree, if you go on the M50 at 6am, the thing's heaving. I'm talking about pre-pandemic. Um, and you need to be on those flights 6am, 6, 6 6.30am 6 gets you into Europe 8.39 o'clock in the morning. By the time you've Gone from Charles de Gaulle or wherever into the into the city centre, it could be ten o'clock or so. If we're now having to move all those flights back another hour, it, it's a real challenge, and uh, I don't think passengers will put up with it, and airlines won't. And it's an it's a it's a it's a very difficult situation that we're in. So we need to work through the process uh, with the relevant agencies, um, but unfortunately, it's taking much much longer than we we envisaged, and these conditions could really hurt the economies bounce back if they're not sorted. So it's it's mid-2023
0: or, or possibly later before you'll have an answer, a definitive answer one way or another as to whether these restrictions uh, will be lifted or, or not. When does the runway actually open?
1: So the runway goes into operation in in August next year.
0: So you're looking at a situation where for at least probably nine months and and, and possibly longer and obviously possibly forever, but for at least nine months you're going to have to operate within these restrictions. Is that right?
1: It depends around the appeal processes, et cetera. But uh, the runway is operational from August next year. And the the outcome from the regulator may not be until, as I said, 2023 or beyond. So it's it's a very concerning situation. And I think that the country hasn't fully uh, understood the implications. This isn't a Dublin airport issue. This is an Ireland Inc. issue.
0: Yeah. Dalton, on Monday, Ryanair published its, uh, its latest quarterly results. And Michael O'Leary made, uh, made the point that they're doing some great deals uh, right across Europe with a lot of airports, some that they used before, some that they didn't. Um, and there are great deals to be had out there and there'll be great fares for passengers uh, and so forth. Are you, expecting, um, are you expecting a bit of a ruckus with, uh, with, with Ryanair over airport charges and landing fees and, and so forth? as Dublin Airport begins to open and as uh, Ryanair begins to reallocate a lot of the aircraft that have been sitting idle over the last while?
1: Well, we have a terrific relationship with Ryanair. I think they recognise the value for money we offer. So as we went into last year, we dropped the fares by 23% versus 2019. So there's been a very significant reduction in airfares at Dublin Airport versus the pre-pandemic period. So uh, I think they're Money talks and, and we've we've put our we we've definitely been investing heavily in price. Today we're an airport that's somewhere between 40 and 50 percent cheaper than any comparable airport um, right across Europe. So we are the oldie or the little of airports across Europe. We offer tremendous value for money, and that's partly why we've seen such tremendous growth in, in Dublin and Cork over the previous years. So we continue to invest. In, in offering great fares, we have a 50 million euro uh, incentive scheme on the table at the moment for our key airlines um, to further incentivize them over and above the 23% reduction in fares that they received last year. So I, I think we're, we're absolutely focused on providing brilliant value for money.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard uh, Michael O'Leary compliment DAA on its uh, on its airport charges. I think he's always been giving out about them. But uh, anyway, uh, good luck with that conversation. Uh, there'll probably be some interesting ones uh, ahead, no doubt. Um, obviously, there's the potential for all of this to go awry again. You know, we could have uh, further variants. We could have more lockdowns. Have you built Have you built that kind of scenario into your projections?
1: Well, operationally we have, and I think we're, we've got some very uh, robust procedures in place and many other uh, B2B and B2C businesses um, will have built those processes into, into their into their SOPs as well. So we've done that. Um, clearly, we're concerned about the stop-start nature, um, and we're seeing it all over the world. We were up and running and doing uh, terrifically well in Auckland, and then the Trans-Tasman bubble gets uh, shut down. Um, and, and we're seeing that uh, in, in many different countries. We really hope it doesn't happen in Ireland with 83% of the population with their first dose um, already administered. I'm encouraged. Um, but actually, to connect, uh, you're, you're connecting two cities on a map, um, and it may be that. Dublin and Ireland is open for business, but where we're travelling to isn't. And we're going to have to watch that as the variants move around. But we have to learn to live with it as well. And um, I I think we we can manage through this. We've got uh, a very strong balance sheet. Uh, Relatively speaking, we had to raise a billion euros of extra liquidity last year. Uh, We are still losing a significant amount of money. So we're prepared to weather. We can weather the storm but it comes at a huge cost and all of this money ultimately needs to be paid back. Uh, And the challenge is that the the more in debt we get, the more restrictions it puts on our capital program because we can't invest in the future. And it obviously puts huge strains on the work we want to do in terms of sustainability. We reduced our carbon footprint by 50% over the last decade. We need to reduce it by another 50% over uh, the next nine years and yet all of that costs money so I I am concerned um, but I think we, we've weathered the storm so far and we'll continue to weather uh, further storms that come at us Dalton what loss are you expecting to record this year so look we have, we have debt in the public market so um, I'm not in a position to, to to forecast that or to give guidance on that but it will be material We lost nearly 300 million. Euros last year, and we will have another significant loss this year.
0: Will it be at the same level, or in or about the same level?
1: Uh, no, it won't be at the same level. Three hundred million is is an eye watering amount, but it's material, um, and uh, it, it really depends now on how H two performs. As I said, it is possible that we could have less passengers than we had last year. That's that 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 is a scenario that could happen. Having said that, look. Load factors, 57% over the last seven days. If we see those nudging north, um, we could exceed last year's numbers, and that would obviously have a a very beneficial uh, impact on our finances. But you're talking loss-making, real uh, material loss-making, through till next year.
0: And finally, um, just in terms of pre-pandemic, you were doing about 33 million people through Dublin Airport, and you were planning um, uh, for further growth. I just wonder whether you know one of the um, one of the the elements of the pandemic post pandemic life will be that people will travel um, a little bit less than they did before, uh, and we're all very focused now on climate change. I think it's uh, it's really becoming serious for us, and you know maybe climate change uh, is going to be a big factor in people's decisions on where they holiday and how many times they travel for business or for leisure uh, and so forth. So I'm just wondering. Is it possible that Dublin Airport may never get back to that kind of level of passenger number again in, in terms of thirty-three million, um, or do you think that the growth that you probably thought was there pre-pandemic um, simply will will never materialise now because of the impact that the pandemic has had in in terms of our thought process
1: around travel and also you know climate change? Look, I think climate change is a, is a huge issue and it's going to impact how we travel. 80% of uh, our passengers pre-pandemic were either VFR, so visiting friends and relatives, or leisure, and 20% was business. Broad brush, Kieran. Um, business is clearly going to step back quite significantly, um, although it's not really clear where it'll end up. And actually, I've seen all sorts of different forecasts. From by 2024, it'll get back to where it was. Through to it'll never, it'll never get anywhere near. Uh, it's pre-pandemic levels, the, so, but it's only 20% of our total business, as I said, 80% is is leisure and VFR, and that's going to continue to grow, um, notwithstanding the sustainability challenges that are out there. I think the real issue, though, around business travel is that it has a disproportionate impact on the overall route economics. As we know, the passengers, um, who turn left when they get on the aircraft or plane significantly more. And it supports those passengers who are turning right when they get on the aircraft. And I think we have to see how that plays out. And that would be a concern to me because some routes may not be viable because they've lost the business component. Um, so I think we, we need to see how that f- flows through over the over the coming months. So are you confident of getting back to 33 million at some point in the next few years? Oh, 100%. 100%. Um what I don't know is, will it be 2023 or 2024? Um, but uh, I, I we're, we're planning 40 million plus um, by the end of the decade. So I, I have I've, I've no concerns in the long-term viability here. And I think on the sustainability point of view, you've got a whole series of different actions going on across the industry. There's $15 billion spent every year in R&D in this sector. Um, we've seen a lot of progress in terms of The carbon footprint of newer aircraft, an aircraft today um, coming into production, has a significantly lower carbon footprint than one one that came in in the 90s. And we're seeing the development of sustainable aviation fuels, et cetera. So I am encouraged by where the industry is going. And I think long term people will still continue to travel. But will they travel like they do today for business, for example? I think that uh, remains to be seen.
0: Okay, we'll see how that plays out. Dalton Phillips, uh, Chief Executive of DAA, thank you for joining us. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Dalton Phillips of DAA for joining me on the show. Uh, This episode was produced by Declan Conlon. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Ciarán Hancock. Until next time, take care.